familiar, very familiar scripture. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Except the Lord build the house. I want to talk to us for a few minutes tonight about a home, a home that honors God. A home that honors God. Let's pray. Let's pray together in the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your people that are here tonight. God, I pray that the word of God would expand our understanding. Be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path that we may do those things, be those things that please you. We ask it in the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated tonight. The strength of any congregation comes from its doctrine and it comes from the strength of its families. Make no mistake about it. Um, it takes a little doing as a home missionary to get to the place to where you develop strong families, and there are no shortcuts. Um, it'd, be, it'd be really nice if you could swing the doors open and flip the lights on and, you know, build it and they will come. The reality of it is um, you have to build people, and people begin to develop families, and families become the strength of any congregation. And I want to say this, I am very, must understand our priorities. Um, not everybody that comes to Cornerstone understands their priorities. And I know that as the pastor and as a spiritual leader that's here, I already know that not everybody has developed the right priorities. But we are patient with people, and God is patient with people um, in hopes that they will develop the right priorities. Here are the priorities according to the Word of God. Number one is God. Number one is God. God is numero uno. And for those of you that think I speak Spanish, I don't want to mislead you. Um, that's just about all I know except for a couple things on the menu. But God is number one. Everybody said amen. Number two is family. Number three is church. Number four is yourself. There is a little secret to this list of priorities. If God truly is number one, then family falls right into line. 
and then church is where church is supposed to be, and self, well, I promise you, if God is number one, you are going to get your needs met. Now, I realize in the 21st century that not a lot of people absolutely embrace these priorities, but I want to tell you that according to the word of God, it is God, family, church, and self. And everybody said, praise the Lord. The family unit is both the foundation of God's purpose in the earth. And it is also the purpose of the New Testament church. The Bible said in Acts chapter number two and verse number 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children. This is not just for senior citizens. This is for young people. In fact, when you look at the prophecy, uh, probably one of the greatest prophecies of the church in the Old Testament is Joel's prophecy that in the latter days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, not just the old men, but your young men will dream dreams. And upon your sons and your daughters, Everybody gets the Holy Ghost in the church, and everybody can be used of God in the church, and everybody can find their place in the kingdom. Let's clap our hands and give him praise for that. That is a reality. There are no big eyes and no little use. There are offices. There are God-called, God-determined offices within the church, of which the pastor is one of those. But make no mistake about it, your children, your family, is at the nucleus of God's plan in the earth. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter number one, when the Bible said that he made them both male and female, that have dominion without families. You cannot have dominion without family units that are living for God. It is central to the plan of God. Oftentimes, especially in the 21st century, because of where our culture is, you may have uh, the husband comes to church and the family doesn't know what they want to do, or the wife comes to church and the family doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to fall into line. They don't want to go to church. They have no interest. I want to tell you, maybe that's your situation tonight. Do not give up hope. It is the will of God. God is at work on this. God will honor your prayers. God, come on, somebody. It is the will of God that your family goes to heaven together. It is the will of God that your family is in this church together. It is the will of God that your family is blessed together. It is the will of God that your family experiences the power of God together. I don't know, this is not part of my subject matter, but we are living, we are living in an incredibly warped, generation. They are very warped. They're perverted. We are in the midst of a perverted generation. And they don't know what's right. They don't know what's wrong. They don't know what's up. They don't know what's anything. And so the church 
if the church is truly going to be the light in this hour, the church has got to represent these core principles to be a help to this world. It's not just, Pastor, we need you to preach a revival message or bring an evangelist in and let's, let's baptize. And thank God for the baptisms that were on Sunday and thank God for the people that are finding God and thank God for the people that are receiving the Holy Ghost. But what this world needs are families. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. When you get your family in alignment, you're going to be blessed. When you get your family where it needs to be, you're going to see blessing in your life. That's not almost right. That is right. The establishing of a Christian home does not happen by accident. It's not just coming to church. There are principles that are found in the Word of God that must be put into place. They must become convictions. Not just opinions, but convictions that establish the perimeters and the boundaries of that home. It takes determination, it takes effort, it takes conviction, it takes perseverance, it takes somebody recognizing what the Lord has said, and this is just the way it's going to be. Some of the most sobering responses from God in the Old Testament is directly tied to what took place at an actual tent, a cloth enclosure. That was the very first home of the nation of Israel when they left Egyptian bondage. All those families lived in tents. In fact, if you were to look uh, at the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11, where it talks about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they all lived in the same tent. That's how they did in archaic times. It wasn't just, okay, well, this is where I live and this is where my mom and dad lived. They all lived in the same tent. And so they were all exposed together. Uh, the reason why God hated Esau is because Esau was exposed to all the stories that his grandfather told him about the wonderful things of God making promises to him and God fulfilling those promises and somewhere Esau got off to where he just didn't care about grandpa, just didn't care about his mom and dad and just didn't care about the inheritance and the things of God. And God said, you know what? I hate that. Look at Deuteronomy chapter number one. We're gonna, we're gonna go there for you. Just keep your eyes on the screen. That sounds, that sounds horrible, me saying, keep your eyes on the screen, but you understand what I'm saying. Look at Deuteronomy chapter one, verse number 26. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your homes. Now you have to get this. Because I'm, I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to extrapolate this particular passage of Scripture so that you understand contextually what's really happening here. The nation of Israel was supernaturally delivered from Egyptian captivity. Blood on the doorpost, the dividing of the Red Sea, which is a type of baptism under Moses, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, 
And then the pillar of fire led them by night and cloud by day. That was a type of being led of the spirit. Blood, water, and spirit. Everybody there? And so once God got them on the other side of the Red Sea, the testing began. And this is where some people are in this building tonight. God is testing you. You're saying, well, pastor, I'm going through something and I don't really know what's going on. God's gonna see what you're gonna do when you can't really figure out where you're at. God wants to know what you're gonna do when you don't feel him. Very early on, I would not be on this platform tonight. I would not be do what I'm doing for God if the first minute that I didn't feel God, I said, I think I'm gonna go back to drugs. I think I'm gonna go back to the world. I think I'm gonna go back to the bar. I think I'm gonna go back to loose living. No, I made up my mind. The same God that brought me out is worth living for. I don't have to have him hold my hand every day. I want him to know I love him. My God, I feel it all over me tonight. I want God to know I love him whether I feel him or not. I love him whether I see him or not. I'm gonna be faithful. But the nation of Israel did not like the testing. And so, when God spoke to Moses and Moses talked to the nation of Israel, they went into their homes and grumbled. And this is one of the maddest I have ever seen God in the Old Testament. When the nation of Israel went into their homes, this is why, let me give you, let me give you one more little brush stroke to make this picture complete. God was upset because they said this in the presence of their children. One of the maddest situations I've ever seen God in the Old Testament is when the older generation that experienced the supernatural deliverance from Egypt complained and murmured and whined in their homes in front of their children. Let's read this verse number 27 here. So I just wanted to give you a little context that. And you murmured in your tent and said, because the Lord hated us. God actually delivered me because he hates me. God actually killed the Egyptians because he hates me. God actually did all those miracles in Egypt to convince me that I was worth following him because he hated me. Your wrong perceptions of God can actually make God mad after everything that he's done. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us, he had brought us forth out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. What an insult. What an insult to God. I'm gonna tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God has feelings. God doesn't reveal that to everybody because that there hasn't been enough relationship developed between two people, between God, so God can trust you to reveal that to you. But God has feelings. God has revealed that to me. And if I'm gonna hurt anybody, I am not gonna hurt God. I may, I may, it may sour the world and it may turn some people off, but I am not gonna hurt God. 
If it, if it, if it hair lips somebody, that's just tough. But as far as I'm concerned, God brought me out. God was with me then. God is with me now. God's going to be with me tomorrow. And I am not going to do anything to upset my... Oh, clap your hands and give God the praise. The nation of Israel overruled the word of Moses by their own negative, bitter, ugly opinion. Yes, they did. Look at verse 34. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil. Now this, this is the group of people that came out of Egyptian captivity. And God called them an evil generation. See that good land. This is the first principle of establishing a god honored home. Around here, we're going to talk about how good God is. Let's do this one by the numbers. As for me and my household, you might want to whine and complain, but you ain't doing it in my house. Because he's done too much. The first principle of a home that honors God is we are not going to grumble, we are not going to complain, we are not going to whine, we are not going to question authority. What they were doing is they attacked Moses. They attacked Moses. They attacked God. They questioned why they were out there. They were questioning what we're doing. They were questioning where they're going instead of somebody just saying, hey, why don't we just pray? Why don't we quit whining and just have a prayer meeting? I'm feeling like the Lone Ranger up here, and that's just fine, because I've done, I came here without anybody. If I hadn't had those prayer meetings, I would have never lasted in Spokane. Dad, where's the church? I don't know. God sent us here. But God is faithful. And God's word said he'd never leave me. He'd never forsake me. He'd never walk out on me. He's never going to. There's some people here tonight that are wondering where God is. Why don't we have a prayer meeting? Why don't we seek him in a day while he might be found? Let's take a moment and praise him right now. Y'all need to come on this side of the spirit. Come on, come on. Get on this side of the Holy Ghost. Get on this side. Somebody praise him right now. You got clothes on your body. You got an automobile in the parking lot. You got a home you're going to. Let's give him praise. Psalm 106, verse number 24 through 26. Yea, they despise the pleasant land, this is where it is, right here. This was the sin. They believed not his word. Next verse. 
but murmured in their homes. They murmured and complained in front of the kids. I remember here a couple years ago, we had a testimony service across the street. Wouldn't you like to have an old-fashioned cornerstone testimony service for Thanksgiving? Don't worry, we're not going to. We'll do it another time of the year, but it won't be next week. Nothing wrong with testimonies, but we always seem to get off a little bit. That's okay. <clears throat> Look at the very next verse here. But they murmured and hearkened not to the voice of the Lord. The last verse here, verse number 26. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them. Now ladies and gentlemen, I did not come in this to be cursed. Dude, I didn't even feel cursed on a, on a bar stool. I'd drinking it away. I didn't feel cursed packing my nostrils with cocaine. I didn't feel cursed doing that other, all the other stuff that I'm not even going to talk about that I was involved in. I didn't get in this to displease God. I didn't get in this to not be blessed. As far as, well, I remember my pastor getting up and talking, this is what it takes to be blessed, and I said, sign me up. Put me the first one in line. I don't have to see nothing. I don't have to feel nothing. I don't even know what's out there, but I'm ready to walk with this God that filled me with his power, filled me with his love, filled me with the Holy Ghost, washed my soul, cleaned my conscience, cleaned my mind. I'll follow him everywhere. Somebody said, well, I don't know about all this religion. You just need a dose of the Holy Ghost. That is exactly what this world needs, is a good old-fashioned dose of the Holy Ghost. Oh, that's not almost right. That is right. Therefore, God lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness. My last example, but it's not on the list with all the scriptures, was talking about the very first conquest after they crossed Jordan under Joshua. They not only had problems with the older generation in the wilderness, they had a problem with the older generation with a man named Achan. God said, you will not touch the accursed thing. The thing that made it a curse was God said, that's mine, not yours. It's mine. That spoil is mine. Don't touch it. But you know the story. Achan was all part of that battle in which they spoiled Jericho, and he got a Babylonian garment, got some silver and some gold. Where did he hide it? 
He put it in his home. And in doing so, it brought an extermination of his entire family. It was one of the harshest punishments that I've ever seen in the word of God over what was in a person's home. And God gave Joshua instructions on how to, Joshua didn't know who it was. Who was it? Who? One, one man, one family, one home brought the entire momentum of an entire nation under fresh leadership to a standstill where there were actual Israelite warriors that lost their lives. You're saying, Brother Mayo, I, we don't want to hear this tonight. Give us something we want to hear. If you want a home that honors God, you must know the perimeters. I was just a new convert years ago, and I remember being in somebody's house where they started talking about things. I just got up and left. You're not going to talk about my brothers and sisters that way. You're not going to talk about my pastor that way. You're not going to talk about my God that way. You're not going to talk about God's word that way. You're not going to talk about God's blessings that way. You might talk about that way, but I'm not going to be a part of it. And I'm not super holy. I'm not perfect. I'm not, listen, if you knew, if you knew what I knew, you'd say, oh, brother. But I'm just telling you, I have integrity. And I have priorities. And I have a certain, a certain threshold of what I can tolerate and what I can't tolerate. And you have the same thing. So Joshua said, well, who is it? And God said, have every tribe march in front of you. And then every family of every tribe. It took quite a process. It took a lot of time to do this. This is what happens when there's a sin in the camp. And finally, there was a family that could not worship God. Joshua, if you want to read it in your Bible, it's in the book of Joshua. Joshua looks at Achan and said, give God the praise. Praise him for his, for his greatness. Achan could not worship God because he knew what he had done. And finally, Joshua's like, okay, what's going on? He said, well, I, I took what God said not to took and I... I put it in my house. And so Joshua said, well, go get it. Brought it out. God said, take this man, take his wife, take his children, his dogs, his cat, his canaries, and stone them and burn them with fire. There is a theological lesson in here, whether you think that, that, that God is overreaching there is totally immaterial. A, a wise person would say, why? Why would God be so extreme 
because he wanted his people to know. You cannot defile your home and the next generation and continue to experience the victory. So principle number one is this, is that we have to go into this. We have to go into this realizing this is the way this home is going to be. Let's lift our hands and just say, yay, Lord. This is what I want. This is what we're going to do. It's going to be a home that honors God. It's going to be a home that loves God, loves the things of God. People can come in and stay as long as they want and talk about God as long as they want to stay. They're welcome here. I would like to talk about three areas that I believe are critical to the establishing of a home that honors God. All of these points and principles are taken directly from the Word of God. Number one, relationships. First relationship is the mom and the dad, the husband and the wife. Married in the Lord, not a relationship that is unequally yoked. Now, as we talked about last week, there was a very rare situation in the Bible where Timothy was raised in a blended family and his mom and his grandmother, Lois and Eunice, had such a strong walk with God that they completely overshadowed the influence of the Gentile father. So I'm not saying it's impossible. Or if it's a single parent that's raising those children, maybe a mother and her children, your relationship with your God and the church is absolutely critical. The reason why there is such a high expectation is because this is one this is one environment that's in your control. This environment is, is determined by the pastor more than anybody else. But then the church. But when you go home, that's your responsibility. That's, that's, where, you, that's where you shine. That's your, that's your responsibility. It's your opportunity. It's actually a God-given opportunity to mirror the principles that go forth here is in your home. Number one, the man of the house is the priest of the home. I didn't expect anybody to run the aisles, but an amen would have been nice. The man of the house is the provider the protector, and the priest of the home. There's a lot of scripture to back that up, but because I have a lot of material to cover, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 8. And it says this. 
You know, Brother Tristan is a newlywed. And I know what's on his mind. <laughs> I'm just having fun. Look at this. Be sober, be vigilant, because you're having, ow. First Timothy 5 and 8. Not First Peter 5 and 8. Nice try, Brother Tristan. Are you having fun with the pastor tonight? Okay, look at 1 Timothy 5 and 8. But if any provide not for his own, everybody say money. Oh, pastor, I really like her, and she really likes me. Man, that's wonderful. She's got a great job. Yeah, what about you? Man, it's quiet. It's more quiet than a mouse walking across a cotton ball right now. No, you go get the good job because once you start having children, she's going to be the keeper of the home. Well, no, she's going to be my slave and we're going to immediately get this and immediately got that. You're all out of whack. You are the priest. You are the provider. You are the protector. And you're the one that God will bless to do that. Give God the praise. A home that honors God. I get a kick out of, you know, every once in a while you hear something in our world about some guy that's, I heard recently that there is actually a psychological, they've coined it, a medical term of a guy that's still in, in diapers at 55. It's, it's some real long medical term. I got a real short one for it. <laughs> I don't need some doctor that doesn't know which way to find God to try to coin a phrase. That's just called good old-fashioned laziness. Years earlier, a dad should have taken his foot and put it right where it belongs and said, get out and get a job because you're going to have a future. You're going to do something with your life and not let the devil take advantage of your life. I literally saw a picture of a guy in England. He was almost six years old, and he had diapers on. And he had one of those little hats that they put on their little kids. He might have even had a warm bottle. And I just thought, I rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. That is just. And his mom and dad went along with it. We ain't going along with that around here. By the time you're 18, you should have a job. Don't you want your own money? Don't you want a car? Don't you want to get married? Where you at? Let's get rid of the video games and get back to the word of God and find what's really important. You know this is the truth. 150 years ago, by the age of 12 years old, a guy already could do every single chore on that farm. Milk the cows, clean out the stalls. Load up the oxen, get them ready, put the yoke on them, get them ready to go. 
And the dream and the goal of every 12-year-old boy 150 years ago was to have his own wife, have his own family, and have his own home. Today, it's a gaming console in, in, a, in my bedroom with enough food to sustain me so I never have to leave this cave. That is so perverted. Devil, you are a liar. That ain't gonna, I'm not telling you to run out. Well, maybe I should. Maybe you guys should put your gaming consoles on the altar on Sunday. I'm right up, I'm right up here. I'm right up here in your grill, aren't I? Get you a job. Start saving and get your own car. Hallelujah. And then stay spiritual. Stay in the Holy Ghost. Let God, let God bless you with a good wife. This thing about waiting till you're 45 to get married, it's not natural. I know we're in the 21st century, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm in the Word of God. I don't care. I don't care what this culture says. They're messed up. And when they start creeping in here, it's time for me to pull my sword out and say, we ain't going to have that spirit in this house. We ain't going to have some charismatic, mamby-pamby, limp-wristed stuff around here. We want men, men, men that can hold down a job, men that can fight the devil, men that know God, and men that can raise families. Everybody clap your hands and give God the praise. I'm not being ugly. Oh, he's getting loud. Well, I get loud. Honey, make some coffee. I get loud at home. No, most of the time it's, yes, dear. And it's, in, and it's with the right tone. Yes, dear. She has trained me well. That's okay, I'm willing to be trained. Because the benefits far outweigh the training. Brother Charles, isn't that right? <laughs> I couldn't help the look on your face. I thought, man, he walking down my road right now. <laughs> you know what? You being what your wife wants you to be is all part of the process. Bless God, ain't no woman going to tell me what's going on. Listen, don't come crying to me. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Honey, that pastor's not picking up. Pastor sees the phone going off. I ain't touching that phone. You want the pastor to come in on a white horse with 10,000 saints and save you from a fight that you started and your warfare that you got involved in? No way. Just go out and get a job and support your family and be in the prayer room and make sure your family's in revival and you'll be blessed of God. And your wife will be happy because she was not designed to lead. She was designed to be a helpmate. She was designed to support you. But you gotta have your act together. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. That's a home that... Honors God. 
Thank you, Jesus. You are the priest, you are the provider, and you are the protector. But there's more to this verse than just money. But if any provide not for his own. That dad ought to be saying, no, we ain't staying home today. You go get dressed. We're going to church. You have a, you have a church. You have a supernatural, spiritual environment that you're taking your family to. That's all part of providing for your household. It's more than just money. It is the dad that sets the boundaries and the perimeters of that home. If you got your act together. It is the mom or the wife that enforces the perimeters of the father. I know that that would really, wouldn't really jive very well with the spirits of our day and age, but again, I could care less. It is way, way, way off track in this day and age. Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse number 10. Brother Tristan. Hello, Brother Tristan. Surely it's on that list, Brother Tristan. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you that if any would not work, neither should he eat. I do not want to hear of a family in this church on food stamps unless you're absolutely in an emergency situation. I do not want to hear a church, a family in this church that's on welfare unless you're in an emergency situation. And I'm not putting down welfare. Welfare is there for a purpose. It's there for a reason. But to go from welfare to welfare to government assistance to government assistance, I wonder how God feels about that. I wonder how much God would really bless you if somebody just said, you know what, things are, things are a little bit out of whack here, not real bad, but we're gonna make some adjustments. I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna go to work, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give God what's his, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna fast, I'm gonna leave my family, and I'm gonna watch God make me not the tail, but the head, not beneath, but above, not behind, but way out front. Go ahead and clap and give God the praise. That's what God does with families that make up their mind that said we're going to have a home that honors God. It is, part, it is central to God's plan. You've got to get this. It is central to God's plan that a home in your neighborhood is the head and not the tail. God gets no glory from his people that are not following godly principles. God gets no glory from that. But God has plans for you and God has plans for me if we'll operate in these principles. Everybody said praise the Lord. A home that honors God. Let's look at Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. This is talking about women, godly women, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Let 
do all the women in this church know what a vacuum cleaner looks like? Keepers at home means it's clean. That's your environment. That's yours. That is your environment. That's where you express. That is your expression of your love for your husband and your family and your love for God is to be a keeper at home. Honey, we having spam again tonight? Some of the younger couples are giggling. I, listen, there's nothing wrong with spam, but hallelujah. Even I know how to boil an egg. My wife is the greatest cook that, I've, that I know. And we eat in a lot of restaurants just because we're, we're going all the time. It's just more convenient. Just, just grab something because you're always going. But I would, rather, I would rather have a home-cooked meal at the hands of my wife than any restaurant in the world. And I've been in some nice restaurants. Why are you clapping? <laughs> There's love in the air. When my wife, I got to stay on track. I could get real silly right now. She made a tuna fish sandwich here a while back. This is in the Holy Ghost. I'm rolling my eyes. She, she put relish in it. I like, I like egg in it, okay? You can do it the way you do it. She, it had diced onions in it. It had um, a dash of pepper. It had, did you put mustard in it? Okay, she put mustard in it. Here, why don't you tell everybody what? I took one bite of that, and I thought, I am in heaven. I know this is funny, and I know that this, she loves doing that. And so she keeps doing that, and my waistline gets blessed. So some of you that are a little larger, you're just a little more blessed. Now, there are some people that do not have the priorities right. And I just, I'm just making some very general statements here. I'm not going to go much longer. I'm looking at the clock. You greatly... Enhance the odds of everybody in that household surviving. Um, 
you, you, you greatly tip the scales in God's favor when you follow these principles. And, and now I'm not just talking about the survival of your marriage. That should already be a done deal. If you've been married for years and you're still fussing, I promise you there's other issues. There's probably some things going on in secret. And I'm not thinking of anybody. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not. I've just pastored long enough that if you don't nail things down, then you leave too many loopholes. If you're still fussing, and I don't mean, listen, my wife and I, we're in love. But we still fuss. Um, not all the time, every once in a while. I'm glad I live on a mountain on 14 acres so that nobody can hear me fussing. But people that are passionate have passionate fusses. Just go ahead and look straight ahead and act like you don't know what I'm really saying. But when they make up, everybody go like this. Um, we had a testimony service here, I don't know, it was across the street four or five years ago, whatever it was. And my daughter, Ari, she's here tonight. She got up. I didn't even know she was gonna, she was gonna say anything. She just got up. She said, you know, I'm thankful. She was already a married woman. She said, you know, I never heard my mom and dad, I never heard my mom and dad fuss. I never heard, I never saw my dad mishandle my mom. I never saw my mom lose it. I never, I never heard them raise their voices. I never heard them put each other down. I never, I thought, okay, this is good. It's not coming from me, it's coming from her. This is good. My wife and I definitely fussed, but we did it when it was private because we understood how critical it was that we not sabotage what we're trying to do here with my children. You have to make up your mind, like even before you got married, you should have already made up your mind, we're gonna have a home that honors God. We're gonna have a home that people can walk in, they're gonna feel the Holy Ghost, they're gonna feel that peace, they're gonna, they're gonna feel Somebody's living for God here. This is, a, this, is, this is a spiritual people. There's, you know, they're not perfect. I'm not talking, nobody's perfect. We already know that. But, but we're talking about the will. We're talking about intent. We're talking about motive. In Jesus' name, let's stand. Well, this is just another one of those part two kind of deals. But I don't want to keep you real late tonight. Let's just lift our hands and give God the praise. God, I pray that you'll open the windows of heaven and bless your people tonight. The potential that's resident on these pews to become entrepreneurial Leaders, it all begins.
in how we view our home life, how we conduct ourselves. God, I pray for the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God and the blood of Jesus and repentance if need be and opportunity, purpose, power, direction, and all of the things that are promised to us beyond every family. In the heart of every father, in the heart of every mother, in the heart of every child, that we would understand who we are in this corrupt and perverted world. We ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. Love you. You're dismissed.